AT&T Connects and Ode to Podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Do you dream of a healthier life, but education feels out of reach? Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School's Certified Natural Health Professional Program is the perfect entry point to gain foundational knowledge to empower yourself, your family, and your community to live healthier lives. Turn your passion into a career. Visit trinityschool.org for more info now. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. You are now listening to The Professional Homegirls, it's the kid Ebene from the PSG podcast, the only place where you would hear interviews from Black women anonymously on stories that would enlighten and expand on taboo topics. Now, if you hear someone that sounds familiar, mind the business that pays you, child. If you like the PSG podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Please, five-star reviews only. Hold me down, don't hold me up. Merch is now available on the site as well as my book list, so please make sure you visit the link in the show notes below. You can connect with the kid on Instagram at the Professional Homegirl and at the PhD Podcast. If you are on Twitter, please follow me at the PhD Podcast. Now, if you are all caught up with episodes, listen to the bonus episodes by supporting the PhD Podcast Patreon account. To support, please visit www.patreon.com forward slash the PhD Podcast. Now, please keep in mind that all of my guests are anonymous, so let's begin this week's episode. Now, I know I always say this about every episode, but I am really excited about this week's episode as my guest will be sharing her journey on becoming a paranormal investigator. So to my guest, how are you doing? I am doing wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. Thank you for bringing me on here. Yes, y'all. I am super excited. Y'all know I love shit like this. And I'm just like, I'm so excited that I found somebody that looked like us that will be sharing her experience within this field. So normally I like to start with the listeners knowing more about your profession, but I think it's important for us to start at the beginning when you were first exposed to paranormal activity. So tell us about the house you grew up in. Oh my God. So um, my mother and father uh, were from Kansas City, Missouri. My mom and dad had nine kids. 
So mm-hmm. our family was constantly expanding. So they decided to move to the south side of Kansas City, Missouri, which was a, a lot a lot more calmer, decent area, better school district. And when we moved into this house, you know, I was I was four years old. Um, all of me and my siblings were stair steppers, were a year apart. So, we, you know, my mom and dad had, you know, a very crowded home. It was mm-hmm. it was seven of us at that time. And my mom was pregnant. And uh, when we first moved into this house, day one, we noticed something was really weird about it. You know, even though I was four years old, I was very, very, very observant. And we were very, very, very um, alert mm-hmm. and well-versed in a lot of things a typical four-year-old, five-year-old, six-year-old wouldn't be versed in. So when we moved into this house, activity happened day one. We started seeing the dark shadows the very first day we moved into the house. Um, we started hearing noises. Things started getting shifted around. And being Black and having the father that I had, yeah he didn't play no games (laughs) oh my father he was such a he ruled with an iron fist and my father was an only child he wanted a big family and then you know here we come one after the other you know my dad was very territorial over everything in his house so for us to come to him and talk about what we were seeing and feeling my dad was very dismissive of it he Mm -hmm. didn't want to believe nothing was going on he didn't want us talking about anything that we were experiencing he was very 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 dismissive of all the activity that happened but he knew things were strange and he saw and he saw things happen he experienced things happening for himself and he just continued to live in this state of denial this egotistical state of denial because it made him feel more superior as the the leader of the house so we had so many traumatizing experiences that happened within that first two weeks of us moving in this house and again we couldn't talk to my dad about it anytime we would go to him and tell him what was going on he would blame it on us he would say you all are causing this to happen it's y'all and stop running around house you know granted we was it was a lot of kids in the house so right things did get get in disarray it was a lot of you know disruption in the household but this kind of disruption this is this is completely abnormal from what we had ever experienced so the very first day that I moved we moved into the house I had my little taco truck I was a tomboy so um I like playing with boys toys bats and trucks and stuff I was I was a different kind of kid (laughs) (laughs) So I'm, I'm wheeling this Tonka truck over our gravel driveway into the garage. It wouldn't move. So I just decided just decided to go on like a little adventure just to see what the house had to offer, check out some hiding spots. Mm-hmm. I'm very adventurous. So when I started going around the garage, I saw the dark shadow. I saw it floating, but I didn't really pay too much attention to it. So I went to the back of the house. The back of the garage had a wall. It was a concrete-based wall, and you can see a hole that went straight through the back of the wall to the garage. So you could see straight through to the back to the backyard. Mm-hmm. So I stuck my hand in the hole. I got this electric shock, and from that point on, I'm like, something is weird. Something's something's weird. Right. Yeah. So then I, I run to my dad, and then me and my dad. I'm actually in my dad's arms because I ran out of that garage so fast. Yeah. <laughs> My dad picked me up and we were literally staring in the garage together. And that's when my dad noticed this red writing on the back wall in the garage. And it's right. Eventually we figured out what it said and it said monsters in wall. 
get out. So it was almost like the previous tenants was trying to alert us to what was going on in the house. Mm. But again, my dad was so dismissive of everything, every single thing. Do you think, because I feel like when I was reading your book, do you feel like your dad just wanted this to work? Because I don't know. I feel like I was under the impression that this was the first family home that y'all lived in or family house that y'all live in. So you think, do you think that he just wanted it to work and wanted to prove your mom like, hey, like we got things going good now, like everything's working out? Yeah, my, my dad was always the territorial uh, authoritative figure in the house. So we've lived in several other homes, okay. but this house, it was in a better neighborhood. He oh, was a cab yeah. driver, so it had access to all the busy streets. Um, we were in a in a much more a sufficient, sustaining area. Okay. We were the only Black people in the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the only that meant a lot back in the day. Yeah. Yeah, right. we were the only Black people out there. There was other, you know, subdivisions with, with Black people scattered. But in that area, we were the only Black people back in the 80s. It was in, it was in 80, 84. Mm-hmm. Okay. You know, there was a lot of disruption going on back then, a lot of reports taking place back in that day, mm-hmm. um, back in that era. And, you know, the most craziest thing happened within that small period of time. Like my mother, I will never forget the look my mom had on her face. It was like the second week that we lived in the house. So we had already had small disruptions, seeing dark shadows. And my mother was about six and a half months pregnant with my youngest sister. Mm-hmm. And my father, he drives a cab, so he was always in and out of the house. And then my other siblings, they were a little bit older. And then I had a uh, a younger brother and a younger sister, um, younger than me. Yeah, Norman and Monique and Melanie. Monique wasn't born at the time. But my mother was in the kitchen and she was putting stuff away. And my mom was a meat freak. So our house, even though it was a lot of us, our house never was dirty. It was right. always clean. Mm-hmm. So my mother's putting stuff away. She's putting like the groceries away, organizing everything. Cause she's, she's, she's got OCD. So she had to make sure everything was like in a certain order. Right. She liked. So she put everything away. And then I was in the living room with her and we heard my youngest brother crying. Mm-hmm. So we walked, me and my mother walked back to the back bedroom in, um, to the play area where he was at. My mother, we hadn't been gone maybe, maybe two minutes. Mm-hmm. And then we heard this loud noise. It sounded like a car went through the house. So me and my mom, we grabbed my baby brother. And me and my mom rushed back into the living room and we're looking into the kitchen. And everything is all over the place. Everything that my mom put away, all the dishes, all the food, everything was on the floor, everywhere. So my, my two older brothers, Wolf and uh, Bobby, they were active, but they weren't that active. You know, they were right. only a few years older than me. So there's no way they could have moved any of that stuff around. And it's poor, absolutely no way. And it's absolutely no way. <laughs> his ass beat for a lot of things that he did not do. He did. Oh, my God. Yeah, poor Wolf. I hope y'all apologize to that man. Oh, my God. You know, <laughs> it's so funny because when me and my, my siblings, we all got back around each other and we started talking about it as adults because we didn't talk about it up until 2016 because my dad made us swear to secrecy. We could not talk about it. Oh, so wow. we didn't start talking about what we experienced until after my father passed away. And then that's when I was like, you know what? There are strange things going on with this house. I'm going to check with my siblings to see if they actually um, remember anything. Because I didn't want to be like the, the person that was remembering everything and thinking that um, I was making this up in my mind. Like, right. you know, this was a childhood 
this was like a childhood uh, imagination or something like that. But when I got back to all my siblings and we all sat down with my mom after my father passed away, I was like, okay, let's talk about this. Right. Yeah, I remember what happened to us back then. And then everybody's had like this sense of relief. And they're like, yeah, I remember. I remember that too. I remember what happened to you. I remember what, and then we just all were just talking about all of our experiences that we had suppressed all these years. That's a long because, time. Because, yeah, because my father, he, he was, he was, he was a strong-willed man and we did not challenge his word. We didn't challenge his authority role. We, we just had that respect for him. So we, we never, ever spoke on it until he passed away. And that's when I started doing the investigations and getting back into research and what happened to us. Because I was like, I had to know if other people had went through what we went through in that house. Because when we left that house, our experiences subsided. However, it wasn't the last time that we had experience. That was just the house that gave us the most experiences together. Me, on the other hand, I continue to have these additional abilities even after I left that house. Now, the, the ghostly encounters was not as strong, but I still had the ability to see things, right. feel energies, feel um, just feel vibrations constantly. So as I got older, I started trying to suppress it because I didn't want to feel abnormal. I didn't want to feel outcasted. I right. didn't want to be judged by my peers or my siblings because they couldn't see the things that I saw. So mm -hmm. that at some point when I would bring it to their attention, even after we moved out of that very haunted house, they still thought, okay, are you, are you making this up or right. you want attention? You know? So at that point I just said, I'm never going to tell anybody what I see. So I, I held in my own traumas until I got old enough after my father died to actually start talking about it. I didn't start talking about it to them until my dad passed right and I feel like out of everyone I feel like you got it the worst oh gosh and everybody and, I, and I've, I've been encouraging and my minimize what your siblings went because I, I mean right. I can only imagine because it's definitely terrifying as a child yes. but I feel like when that spirit push you off the bed and you hit your head oh my yes. god yes. yes and I have a scar till this day right so you know what my experience was and having to to go through that and not being able to talk about it right. it was so depressing it was this, it was so depressing and you and you've read my book so you know a little bit about what I did because I was so depressed with when I got that scar and right. um how it, it it affected me even as a five-year-old child because I was five once I once I had that incident in October um even as a child having experienced that at five we children go through so many traumatic things and if they don't feel like they have an outlet you'd be surprised how they respond to themselves and respond to situations that they're uncomfortable with at such a young age and I, I made you, it a, I was gonna say how did you know how to well just to give people context because I do want to um I don't want to give too much of your book away yeah. <laughs> if y'all want to support my girl <laughs> <laughs> make sure y'all email me because we got to support her because her book was amazing she's self-published but you were five years old and you tried to commit suicide but how did you know about that you know it was so crazy because my father and my mother groomed us at such a young age we were not your typical um school-age children like we right. were groomed with vhs tapes at young ages to teach us how to read and write colors right. distinct associations 
We watched a lot of movies together as families. They didn't limit, you know, we didn't watch provocative movies or anything like that, but they let us watch violent movies mm. to where we were able to interpret and understand the dynamics of what we were watching. Right. So, and it, and it's so, it's so interesting having been in, in a household with so many siblings, we had such a creative imagination amongst each other. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I mean, it, y'all had to, it was none of y'all. It was none of <laughs> Right. <laughs> We had to use each other as outlets, you know, right. as entertainment outlets. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we we did very well with with coming together. We're still we're still a strong uh, sibling bond till this day. We're all still in contact with each other. Mm-hmm. We all still stay in the same state, in the same city. Actually, we're all still here. Oh, so wow. yeah. So nice. we're very, very, we're very tight. Mm-hmm. Um, especially having gone through all that, but at such a young age, you just never know. And that's why I made it a point to let people know in my book, that traumatizing experience, because when you're, when you don't feel like you don't, you don't have anyone to talk to, especially your parents, so you don't have that outlet. The things that go through a child's mind, you can only imagine they're, right. they're, they're thinking about they're They're taking in so many different things, even if they're not taught those particular dynamics from their household, you know, right and wrong, they're learning it somewhere. Mm-hmm. We're gaining that 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 understanding and interpretation from an external source somewhere, right. which is what we did. So, but yeah, but but <laughs> going through that moment, and I can I can kind of give a little bit of an insert of the book, not too much, but in this, in regards to this situation. So in that situation, I tried to commit suicide three times, oh, and wow. I was unsuccessful. And, and when I was that, when I was young, when I was right. going through that, that haunted experience, living in that house, I tried three times and it was, it, it, it didn't go through. Um, one of the times was with the boric acid. Right. Where some people are like, how do you know about boric acid? Well, my mother used it constantly in the house. Right. We could read. So, you know, we knew about all the little things that our parents used, what they would do. They, they groomed us. They, they didn't treat, treat us like babies per se right. they wanted us to be able to understand the world and how to deal with things and mm-hmm. and when we encounter situations i mean the, the unfortunate part is they didn't teach us how to deal with ghosts right <laughs> how to encounter and how to deal with that emotion could you imagine like oh my god like but i feel yeah. like your story and not to cut you off i just feel like your story is so common because when i i mean i've been through so many so much things that i couldn't explain and as my spirituality grow or grew I'm like, okay, things are starting to make a little bit more sense to me. But just speaking to my friends are like super religious all the way to not religious. Like we all been through something that you just can't yeah. explain. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and I, I, I came out with telling the story One, I wanted to find out what happened to us. That was the most important thing to me. I said, I need to know if other people went through that. And after doing an extensive amount of research, I found dozens of people who went through the same thing that we went through living in that house up until this day. So People what are, happened in the house? Oh my God. Well, then if I tell you too much about it, <laughs> I'll be talking about my other book. Oh, but, okay. Okay. Cause I'm like, no, you're good. no the reason why I asked, cause when I got to the end, I'm like, wait, if this is like a cliffhanger, like is she trying to set up? Yeah. yeah okay. Yep, I did. Give us a little tea. Us a little tea. I did. Yes, I did. <laughs> So I didn't tell too much of, because it, it just, it was so many other components of my research. Right. It, it completely turned into another book. 
So I do have another book that I'm in the process of finishing up. And then that's going to tell you what actually is causing all of that disruption in that house. Actually, in that entire sector of land that those houses are sitting on. A lot of people in the same area and similar houses that are adjacent to the one we lived in, they're going through similar stuff. And there has been a turnaround of people moving in and moving and out, moving in and out of these houses. And then there's some people that just stuck around and stayed. Yeah, it's 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 interesting, but I did leave you guys with a little bit of a cliffhanger in the book. So I know you got to the end. You was like, oh, God. Yes, <laughs> so I'm assuming that was the house like a plantation or? Well, um, sort of. OK, sort of. so I will say this, um, that entire subdivision, even a little bit further in expansion of where we lived at that entire section was a um, a plantation style setup, no houses, no roadways. And the things that were buried beneath the surface is why a lot of that disruption and so much activity is happening in that sector of land. Wow. But I'll go into more details with the second book. <laughs> yes. Oh man, I can't wait for the second book to come out. I'm like, okay, just give me one thing. What was one thing that was buried? Then I'm gonna go to the next question. Okay. It was buried 10 feet deep. Yes, I, I caught that. It was very buried 10 feet deep. And it was um it was it was humans. Wow. Mm-hmm. That's was, sad. It, yeah. Wow. It was different types of humans but all buried 10 feet deep and there's a reason why they would that they set it up that way that makes so much more sense to why so many disruptions in that area oh man when is book coming out <laughs> <laughs> i'm working on it I'm, I'm trying to get it released on my birthday which will be may of next year okay. so that's that's the goal because i have so many other projects that i'm, I'm kind of balancing right now and this book just came out it actually came to print june 2nd of this year right but I haven't finished writing it well before that. But I have yeah, to, I'm self-published. So yeah, I had to make sure everything was lined up. Yeah, I need a signed copy because man. I got you. <laughs> so what 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 part of the world are you in? I'm in New York. Okay. Okay. Yes. Wow. Yes. See, word made its way to New York. That is amazing. <laughs> that is, and it's gonna make its way all around the world. Because- yes. The professional homegirl is a household name household name, and I'm super excited to be sharing your oh, story. Yes. I, I do yes. believe a lot of people go through this, like yeah. And 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 it's so interesting because I said I would be the poster child of coming out with um these experiences because I know it's a very touchy discussion, especially in the black community. You yes. know, we don't talk about this stuff. If you're going through something like this, that you're automatically labeled. But you're why automatically do you think we talk about this? You know, there's so many speculations to why African-American community is so nonchalant about having these discussions. You know, one thing that I've considered to be a a logical answer is just because of the the way that things um, assimilated back in the day in the era of slavery. You Mm -hmm. know, we were a force together and the stronger we were together, nothing could penetrate. Our, our, our barrier of force. Right. So anything outside of us having that unified movement was dismissed. You know, we don't we don't recognize these things. You don't give energy to certain things. It won't exist. That was the logic and mindset 
that we adopted as a black community. The more you feed it, the more it'll it'll come to fruition. So these things eventually became taboo discussions um, inside the black community and outside the black community, you know, with other cultures, it was open discussion. Everybody was embracing it. Everybody was, you know, uh, um, taking an account of its normality. And we were like, you know, that's y'all weird. You know, this right. is, we don't do this in this community. You know, that's right. our perspective in it. But in reality, a lot of us, just like people like myself, we were dying on the inside because I'm like, well, I want to talk about it, but I can't because I'm going to be ridiculed, judged, labeled, Thanks. and you know, and isolated. I, I, they're going to isolate me. So, um, but it, it, it was, it was challenging coming out with it. Cause I had so many people saying, well, you know, you don't know God and you don't have Thanks. your religious uh, faith together. That's why you're seeing these things. That's why you went through what you went through. They started judging my family. And I'm just like, you know what? That is your perspective of it. Right. But it, I have to take what you're saying because you didn't go through what I went through. You don't right. have the scars and you didn't have seven other siblings that you had to deal that had to deal with the same experience. So you don't know what we went through. So I cannot sit and be, I can't be fearful of speaking on my truth because of your perspective. Right. So- you know, once I got over that fear, because I hadn't even told my kids, my kids didn't even know anything about my past and they're grown. Right. So that was the the moment to talk to them. And when I sat down and talked to my kids and spoke to them about it and they accepted me and they believed me, I said, I don't care what the world thinks. I'm coming out telling my story because I believe other people need to know what happened to me because I know I'm not the only one that's been through something like that. Once my kids accepted me, everybody else is secondary. Right. Everybody else is opinions all that was secondary I didn't care I didn't care no more you know you made a good point because when my grandmother passed away that's when I started to like experience things and that, I think that's when my spirituality like really grew and I shared the story on the podcast before but I remember when when I used to live with my grandmother our rooms used to be next to each other and my grandma used to always wake up like around four something in the morning and she'll be sweeping the hallways so fast forward when she passed away and I moved into my first apartment in New York. Every night, 4.44, I would wake up and I would hear somebody sweeping in my hallway. And I used to be like low-key freaked out. <laughs> and then after a while, because, I mean, just being depressed because I never experienced losing somebody before and then just not getting no sleep. I used to be like, girl, like, what's up? Like, what do you want to talk about? Because I'm like, it's just, it's no way that I'm hearing that same exact sound. Right? And yeah. Then, yeah and I used to be so afraid to share like even like I had I had so many encounters with certain things or even like I remember one time I was living in my last apartment and I was getting in the bed and it literally literally felt like somebody got in the bed with me and was Mm -hmm. trying to hold me and I was like nope I said I don't know who you are I'm like if it's you Nana I said I miss you I said but we don't do that (laughs) (laughs) yeah and I never felt like like somebody was trying to attack me or anything, but I just yeah. pray and I just go to mm-hmm. sleep. But it felt like somebody was trying to hold me. And I was like, oh, yeah. no, 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 no. <laughs> I said, yeah. we don't do that. But you even made a good point when you was like, you know, when people go through the houses, like people be like, oh, the house needs to settle in. Or yeah. it's just like, what does the house need to settle in for? Yeah. Like, yeah. You know, they, they were so um, dismissive they were so dismissive of 
the the reason why as I call them right and they always want to rule it granted I do have to use what I consider logical reasoning or a logical skepticism when I do my investigations because it very well could be those other contributing you know issues mm-hmm. but when you've got things flying off of a wall in in a, in a manner to where gravity is not a factor right and you cannot explain it through scientific explanation then it's like okay come on y'all you right. know there, obviously and you and, and I always use this as an example there's so many different um, amphibians and animals and creatures and mm-hmm. things that we have yet to discover in this world that exist that we acknowledge exist there's spiders I ain't never even seen. There's there's fish I've never seen before, but I've heard, you know, that, right. that are, there's so many different creatures. So why would we limit our minds to and restrict the the idea of other things being a possibility just because it makes us feel comfortable about the logic of it, I, I, I right. suppose. Right, because it don't make sense. It, 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 it doesn't. And then everybody tries to apply their sense their sense of sense of understanding to the situation and it's like okay this is what happened oh the wind blew and this fell off the wall but come on now explain how your sibling is sitting in the middle of the floor while we're eating and he gets lifted in the air and thrown across the room in the middle of the floor in the middle of the afternoon can science please explain that to me (laughs) right right did your mom ever apologize to y'all you know, she, she did. And it was, it wasn't even a situation to where she needed to, because she knew what was going on. And she did talk to my father mm-hmm. on several occasions. She tried to get through to him mm-hmm. and, you know, but she was so limited with her approach because my dad was so, he was so stern and it was his word or nothing. Right. So the day that and my mom couldn't deal with it anymore, I think her apology came when she took us out of there. Yeah, she packed you know? out real quick. <laughs> and, I mean, and, and, that, and, and, and that was after my baby sister was born. And it was just getting so much more worse. And, you know, my sister, uh, Missy, was going to school and she had scratches on her. Mm-hmm. And then it was starting to get reported. And, you know, people are thinking that we're getting abused. And right. it was just it was just becoming to the point where it's like my mama couldn't do it no more. Regardless right. of how my dad felt, she was like, "I'm not gonna keep putting these these kids through this this tra- this this traumatic experience." So she right. had to take over, and that was a, I had never really seen my mom drive. She was always in the passenger side, <laughs> you know. She was she was you know she was the submissive wife, you know. Right. That's, that's what my mom was. She didn't have to drive. My dad drove everywhere, right? <laughs> was, you know. So seeing her drive and seeing her take control, we knew something was weird. We was mm. like. Mom's driving. <laughs> right. This is different. So, and that's when we went to her sister's house and we stayed there until we found another house. But I think that was her apology. You know, I'm sorry, kids. Let's go. Right. This is this is it. I'm not, I'm not gonna keep putting you guys through this. Right. And it was so such a humbling thing for her. Yeah. And even if we left, you know, we spoke about it a teeny tiny bit when we lived with my aunt. But other than that, when we moved back in, my mom and dad got back together. We didn't talk about it. Mm. We did not talk about it. Do you feel like your dad didn't want to show emotion because he was so strong-willed that he didn't want to be, he didn't want it to be confused as a weakness? hmm Yes. Yeah. It, 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 Very prideful. 
very prideful. You're exactly 100% correct. That would be a sign of weakness in his eyes. My dad was a military man. So he had that uh, military mindset. He had that, you know, and he was the only child, wanted a big family. His father was very stern. It was, he was a manly man. Yeah. So, so what did not want him out the house? He would have stayed. You know, if, if, I, I believe if my mother hadn't never made that, that move, my father would have continued to let us go through that. He would have oh. stayed. Because it was it was it was a position of his his integrity and his pride getting sliced, Damn. and he didn't want that. He didn't want to look like a weak, like you said, like a a man who was too weak to face it. So he would have stuck around. Yeah, that's a lot, man. I I would have got out there so quick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I would have heard the growling, the monsters in the wall. I God. Yeah. You know, me and my sister, my sister was a year younger than me. We were laying in bed one day and we always held each other. I would always hold her. I was so maternal and I would always hurt, hold her close to me. So one day when we were hearing the loud growling together and it was getting so loud, it was started to sound like it was getting closer to us and was coming. It was emanating from the closet. We go in there and tell my dad, girl, <laughs> when this man said he, he just came home because we can always tell when he'd been out gambling and he go to the woodlands. They don't have the woodlands here anymore in Kansas City, but he would go to the woodlands and if he had a bad night, he'd be drinking. So we already knew. So he'd be in a room and be just slurring his, you know, and we go in there, rushed in there and told my mom and dad, there's a monster in the closet. My dad's like, kill it. And he rolls <laughs> over and goes back to sleep. So me and my sister hold each other. <laughs> We, we couldn't sleep in their bed that was a no-no we couldn't sleep in there unless they gave us the okay so we had to oh, coddle each other God. back in the bedroom and lay there and and just suffer together and right. you know the, the only good thing about having gone through that I wasn't alone I'm not not to say that was the best thing but at least I had my siblings and I wasn't just an only child having to go through that like you see in the movies this the one child right. and they go through all the experiences or it's two children and one's being taunted more than the other and I had all my siblings and we all experienced something from living in that house did y'all have to forgive did, did you forgive your dad for everything that y'all been through he doesn't I did I right. did forgive him and it was about two years before he passed away Right. He was laying there and, you know, my dad was kind of bedridden. He had, he was incontinent. He had to be fed and all that stuff, mm -hmm. but he could still speak and he was still, you know, cognitive. Mm -hmm. So I just looked him in the eyes one day. Cause I was just thinking about everything we went through. And I said, daddy, I forgive you. He said, for what? <laughs> I said, for everything, for everything. He wanted details. I wasn't giving him details because right. he was going to be like, it didn't happen. Y'all are making it up. I didn't want to go into that 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 pit full of discussion with him. I just said I forgive you for everything that we went through mm -hmm. and that we experienced. He still didn't know what I was talking about, but I knew. <laughs> right. Mm. So when did you realize you wanted to make a career out of this? You know, um, it actually didn't start off as a career. Mm -hmm. It started off as me wanting to find out the truth. And mm -hmm. that was my, I needed to know the truth of why I had these abilities. And if it emanated from us living in that house, which I believe after my research, that's probably why, because I had my head injury and it changed my, my, my optics and my visual, visual consciousness on how I'm able to see things. 
So I started out as just investigating our past and our truth. And then other people in the neighborhood, because I started knocking on doors and I started interviewing people, asking them, you know, you remember this house and mm. telling me if y'all experienced anything. And people started telling me they were experiencing stuff. And I was like, well, you know, I would love to find out if what you went through is what we went through, you know. And then I started building that um, that that relationship with all the neighbors. And then it started turning into an investigative thing for me. So then people were reaching out to me. And they were like, oh, you know, are you so-and-so? Well, my 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 neighbor who lives, uh, my girlfriend who lives in this, that block that you used to live in, she told me the story and I want you to come check out my house. Mm. I said, okay. And it was interesting because it was coming from Black people. Mm. They were tapping into it. So I started doing, I didn't have no equipment. <laughs> right. I was only, the only piece of equipment I had is myself. So I had to go out and buy stuff like I saw on the investigative shows. I said, okay, I'm gonna need a... Uh, I EMF reader. I'm gonna need uh, audio and vis- visual equipment. I said, I'm gonna need some stuff. So then I had to train myself on how to use this equipment. And then I started going in people's houses and mm. investigating what they were experiencing. So once it got so big to the point where so many people were finding out what I was doing, it made its way around. Word of mouth got around so quick. Mm. So where people were reaching out to me and they were like, I heard about you. And I said, oh, okay, yeah. Can I pay you to come investigate my house? And I was like, pay me, mm. First of all, find me. But I, I'm not charging people for this. You know, I, I never right. charge one person to do an investigation. People have tried to pay me. Wait, you don't charge for your services? I don't. I don't charge for the investigation. The, the thing that I feel pays me with my investigative research is what I find what I'm able to document, you know, mm-hmm. what I'm to collect on on video, because I can utilize that in my own investigative research right, and profile. Right. And that will pay me. You right, know, right. that will pay itself off. So I never charged anybody to find out the truth. I, I was so interested in investigating. I didn't right. think of it as something that I wanted to be compensated for. It was it was compensating for me knowing that I wasn't the only person going through it or my family and similar families like us were right. experiencing so that was my profit you know right but i know niggas was like yo when I, they heard one sound they started calling your number oh my <laughs> god you know it's it's so funny because i have to weed out a lot of things and a lot of um a lot of people who are just you know for i, I consider myself an attractive woman so when people started finding out about who was right. behind you know this face behind it I got so many phone calls and some people will just be like, oh, well, I, I heard something in my bathroom. Can you come investigate it? <laughs> no, that's not how it works. I I'm have to have, you, yeah. look like these other people we see on TV. <laughs> she giving Instagram baddie. <laughs> <laughs> I saw her. I was like, damn, this her? <laughs> yeah. I, and you know what? That kind of worked in my favor and it worked yeah. against me because people are like, hmm. There ain't no way you doing all this. Mm-hmm. You're not, you too cute and you're young and you're black. And there right. is no way that you're the face behind these investigations. Yes, I am. Mm-hmm. Yes, I am. I am the face. I don't look like what I've been through. <laughs> no, not at all. This face is um, me, y'all. I can't see that scar on her forehead. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I tried to get I tried to get surgery to cover it up because it was more defined and it was more raised on the oh, front. Oh wow! But it's still it's still there. It's still visible. 
And, right. I, and I'm honestly, I'm like, it's okay. It's it's a scar of my truth, and I'm not going to completely get rid of it. I did get right. surgery. I did restitch it. But the stitches are still, you know, still visible. So I was like, it is what it is. It's, it's, wow. it's here. It's here. Um, but I started, I started really taking my research seriously when so many people were interviewing me, doing podcast interviews, mm-hmm. and I had to explain the story. And then more people started coming out. Mm-hmm. More Black people started coming out. And they were, I even had a girl come to me and I met up with her. I did an investigation in her house and she just bawled and she just started crying. She was like, I didn't know if I would ever find anybody like you that looked like me, that would understand what I've been through and wouldn't judge me. And once I started getting responses like that, I knew I couldn't turn back. I I had to keep going. I had to keep, keep being that face of, of this, of this investigative field. I had to continue because I knew that there were people depending on me to tell their stories and to also bring them out of those comfort zones to talk about what they were experiencing and not have such a taboo mindset on it. Right. So it was it was challenging at first when I, I started getting more of a buzz and a lot of people were coming out, coming to me. And I got a lot of ridicule. I got a lot of judgment. Mm-hmm. I got a lot of people that were, you know, just, oh my God, you're weird. And, you know, you're stranger. I ain't into that voodoo stuff. Or you right. are into witchcraft. None of that. I'm not, I, I, I'm not into any of that. Now, have I studied it to understand? Right. Absolutely. Cause I got to know what I'm facing in order to understand how to investigate it. Right. But I'm not into witchcraft. I don't know how to do voodoo. I'm not, you know, I'm none of that. And I'm, I'm non-denominational when it comes to religion because there's just so many different versions of truth from every religion. So right. I try not to associate myself with a specific religion uh, placement because what I went through tells a different story from what this religion is portraying as their version of truth. So I, I, I tend to separate myself from that. So when I do my investigations now, instead of saying ghosts or entities, I say energies mm. because it takes away the whole identifier because you say ghosts or you say spirits, you're connecting it to a specific rel- religious denomination. Mm. So I, I, I take that out. So you can't say, oh, okay, well, she said ghost, so she's, you know, Christian, or she's, you know, you know, Presbyterian, or she, right. I just take it all out. I take all the questions out. I'm, I'm hunting energies. Right. That's what it is. These are energy forms. I'm investigating energy forms. So that way it's just, it's just, it's just a different kind of raw in introduction. Mm. But, but yeah, I couldn't turn back. And then when Pitch Weekly picked me up. And then the Kansas City Star picked me up. Kansas City, there's a news uh, station here, Kansas City, KCTV5 News picked me up. And then I started getting so many phone calls from people out of state. And I was like, how are these people finding me? Uh, Let me be a manager. Because I'm going to be like, (laughs) what you need? That's that's $100. (laughs) What's going on? At another Exactly. Exactly. Now I did have, uh, I, I'm a claim adjuster dur- mm-hmm. by day. So I, I would go out into the field and um, assess damages on people's homes. And that required me to travel to different locations. So right. if I had to go to a certain des- destination for work purposes, and you had a property that you wanted me to investigate um, because of some type of uh, paranormal disturbance or energy disturbance, if you're in that proximity, then I'll go out there. Right. But not to just go out there and do an investigation 
unless there's, you know, I didn't have it like that. I, I couldn't fly all over the place. Yeah, it adds I, up. Yeah. I, I couldn't say, hey, the hotels cost money. I'm not going to New York and I live in Kansas City. And right. So, but if I was in the area, I would do an investigation, but I was always on the road with my job. So I was everywhere, Tennessee, Texas, Florida, New York, Pennsylvania. I was all over the place. So if there was somebody that was experiencing something, then if I'm in that vicinity, I'll, I'll actually do a full investigation. Um, we were talking a little bit earlier about people just hit me up bogusly, having these bogus encounters because they want some company. So I have to do what is called a preliminary investigation. I have to have something documented, some type of audio or video um, um, documentation sent to me so I can validate what you're experiencing. I won't just go out there because you said you heard a noise in your bedroom. Right. I've got to have something because there were so many bogus um, submissions and requests for investigations. I had to filter through that stuff. I'm like, I'm not going here. Oh, no, no, no. I'm definitely not going here. You and know, then niggas I will know. try it once they see yeah, how you look. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they, oh, they tried, girl. They tried. And, you know, even women too, just, you know. Yeah, I mean, yeah, some, some women too now. Yeah. I've, had, yeah. I've had some strange ones. Like a lady just hit me up not too long ago and she's like, ah, there's some woods behind me, but I'm pretty sure that there's something back there. And mm-hmm. um, I, I want you to come out and investigate it. I said, well, ma'am, I would love to. And I'm, I'm sure, you know, if you're saying you're experiencing something, I definitely want to see what you're experiencing. Can you get something on camera for me? She said, that's what you're supposed to do. No, nah, girl, said, that's what you're supposed to do so I can continue to rest. What you think and, it, and, it, and I specifically let people know this when you reach out to me. I've got to have something to go off of. Unless there's multiple people in the same area reporting the same thing, right. then I'll come out there. Like I have an investigation to do in Austin, Texas. And there's a whole block of people that live in the same street that are experiencing something. No one has sent me any actual footage except the photo, which it does appear that there's some apparitions in their home, um, some Uh. energy in their home. So, but everybody on the block is experiencing something uh, and an energy disruption. So I said, I will take in, I will take that on blindly because of how many people in the same neighborhood are reporting experiences, but I had to have something to right. go off of you know i have to get i have to have something to weed out the crazies right <laughs> so how often would you say well i would say ghosts and spirits but how often would you say you would encounter these different energies in my own personal life just in general like in do, you general. Ever, do you ever encounter them when you like walking around and you just see something energies are active everywhere all right. times of the day, it doesn't matter if it's nighttime. People think they only come out at night. Ah, they are active constantly. So I have energies here in my home. You know, me and my children, I explain the type of energies. And I, and I rate these energies on a level of one to four, with four being the most active, most manipulative, the ones that can actually make physical contact with you, the more aggressive ones. And then it kind of scales down from there to one being like, the grandma ghost, as I call it, the one right. that doesn't do anything, that's just at this present, doesn't move stuff around. But, you know, you might see the the, the shadow of them periodically. Mm. So I have ones and twos in my house. But I'll, I, what I do when I do the investigation, I'll feel the vibrations of, of the energies that are there or I'll see the energies that are there. And then I'll let you know what you're dealing with. And then you can decide on, you know, one, you're not crazy, especially if I evaluate it and find out that you got something going on. But two, to, to decide if you want to stay there or not, you know, because the energies 
are not going anywhere. They're not going to just up and root and pack up their bags and go to another house because you right. say that's a misconception people have. They think mm. saging it is going to rid that area of them. And that's not true. It'll calm the energy of their existence, but they were probably pre-existing far before you came and probably even further before that house was even built there. So I at least give people the comfort to know what they're dealing with. Mm-hmm. Is it a four, which is a more active one, or is it, you know, just a grandma ghost? You can decide. And as long as you know that you're not crazy, and that's right. the main thing people want to know. Okay, I'm not crazy, right? I know something's going on in here. Right. You're not crazy. You do have something going on in your house, you know? And a lot of people get relief from that. Mm-hmm. So are you and your family, oh, y'all comfortable with living in the house with energies? Or do you think everybody just have energies everywhere? Everybody has, everybody has energies. Some, again, some are just more active than others. Mm-hmm. And why that, why that is, I, I'm still, I'm a parapsychologist, so I'm still compiling research to find out the mechanics of these energy forms in the disruptive behavior or the right. not so disruptive behavior and why they're so much more active in other and areas. What makes them tick? What makes them what makes them become so activated? You know what I mean? Okay. So, but that's still, and, it, and I may never know that answer. You know, I may never know. Um, I'm also um, investigating uh, the, the connections and the links of the uh, energy forms that you experience in your everyday house and other locations. And their, their, their connections to like UFOs and extraterrestrials. And, mm-hmm. and, and there's a lot of common connections between the two. And we're starting to find out that they're almost synchronized in their existence and their form. Mm. Um, but we're still, because whenever I go out and do an investigation, I use radiation detectors. That's one of my favorite pieces of equipment. And when you're doing investigations in, in, in uh, UFOs and extraterrestrials, mm. they use radiation detectors to detect the activity and the presence of these, these energy forms and these beings. So they're so similar in their in their ability to have these manipulative um, these l- manipulative encounters with people. You know, UFOs they travel at a, a different light speed and they travel in a different um, in a different radioactive type of wave to right. where it's it's so much faster. Like they can go through walls or they can get into your mind or they can teleport you. They're they're so there's there's such a strong force. Mm. And, and and you think about ghosts, you know, they're able to travel interdimensionally and they're able to travel through walls and have this additional energetic uh, ability to um, manipulate you, manipulate your dreams, depending on how strong they are. There's so many different common links that we are we're compiling documentation and information on daily to see what else is going on. There's so much going on in this world. There's yeah. so much, so much going on in this world. And being able to actually openly have these discussions and bring so many people in the Black community together to talk about it and to actually be comfortable talking about their experiences is, is a, it's so refreshing. It's so it refreshing. It's opening up another, um, it's an opening up another platform of, of, I guess you could say, social dynamics. And a, a different dynamic where we all can come together and talk about it and not feel like, ugh, that person's weird. Right. Or, ugh, that person's going through some uh, emotional stuff or psychological concerns. We can actually talk about it and it not be a taboo discussion, even, even just outside of the African-American community, because um, there's other races that had their own mindset 
and believe that certain things are not happening because of how they've conditioned their mind to believe. And it's a social conditioning, a mental conditioning. So giving them the opportunity to see that there, you know, there is other things going on that, you know, science can't always give an explanation for. It's deeper than that. So being able to spill over into that um, and that demographic as well and give some enlightenment on the things externally that's happening in our world is refreshing too. Because I have a lot of people that that chime in that 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 want to know more. I'm on um, every Thursday evening. I'm on um, Roderick Martin's podcast. It's a live uh, live feed, and we talk about he's UFO. He's in ufology, and then I'm in para, uh, paranormal investigative work, um, parapsychology. Mm-hmm. So we link together, and we have these open discussions where people from all races come and talk about their experiences. And I said, this is so good to have because it's bringing so many different backgrounds together to Black people, because he's Black too. Right. And we are spearheading these, these discussions. And it, it's, it's great because it's changing the tone of the presentation of the Black culture. Right. And how we are always in the background of everything or left out of certain things. And we're never, you know, we're never casted or put in the foreground to have these discussions has always been our counterpart. This concludes part one of this week's episode. Please stay tuned for part two dropping next Tuesday. Until next time, everyone. Later. Do you dream of a healthier life, but education feels out of reach? Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School's Certified Natural Health Professional Program is the perfect entry point to gain foundational knowledge to empower yourself, your family, and your community to live healthier lives. Turn your passion into a career. Visit trinityschool.org for more info now. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy. And we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org.